We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. The Waymaker is in this house this morning. When there seems to be no way, He's in the house this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you this morning. Thank you for worshiping. Please be seated. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. A lot of us didn't know this was Pentecost Sunday, did we? I thought that was only in the Pentecost church. It's good to see everybody this morning. I trust you had a good week. That you're here ready to receive God's word. God has a word for us today. It's good to have Leslie with us again today. Let's give her a tabernacle of praise welcome. And it's good to see all the house of God here. It's just, it's always good to see your bright, smiling faces. Man, when you have to look at this, can you imagine what my wife goes through? You have to look at this all week. So now y'all, y'all only have to look at it for a couple of hours. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. We're going to read verses 18 through 22. Uh, I'll start there. The feast of unleavened bread shalt thou keep. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. And as I command thee, in the time of the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib there camest out from Egypt. All that openeth the matrix is mine. So y'all, you, you new guys thought that the matrix was something that Keanu Reeves came up with. Not so. All that openeth the matrix is mine, and every firstling among the cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou, if thou redeem him not, then shalt thou break his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem, and none shall appear before me empty. Six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest, in earing time, and in the harvest thou shalt rest." Verse 22, and thou shalt observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. I want to talk to you today about Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. <coughs> Pardon me. The feast of weeks is called Shavat in, uh, in the Jewish language. And it's the second of uh, three pilgrimage feasts that the Jews celebrate every year. It was originally the festival of the wheat harvest where uh, as the harvest of the wheat was, was uh, finished and complete and done and the sifting of the wheat was finished and complete, that Passover was then celebrated. And then right after Passover, uh, there were two days that were actually called, we call them holidays, but they're holy days. And those two days happened right after uh, the feast of, of, of uh, Passover. And those two days were known as the feast of the seven weeks or Shabbat. Now, those two days were actually the feast. But if you search the Scripture, what you find is that for the next 49 days after the Feast of Passover, the Jews would celebrate this Feast of the Weeks or Shavat. Uh, it much later found 
in festivities with the Jews that uh, they would celebrate, and they tagged it on later, that they would celebrate Shabbat uh, with the seven weeks that Moses spent at Sinai receiving the word of the Lord and the, the law of God. And so you find that that's what primarily today when the Jews celebrate Shabbat, that, that's what they celebrate. They celebrate more of the law than they do of the, 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 the first fruits of, 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 of uh, the gathering of, of, of all, of, of all uh, wheat. And so when you look in the Scripture, what you find is all the wheat's been gathered, all the wheat's been sifted, then you find the Feast of uh, Passover is celebrated, and then directly I want to put you in line with something because we want to talk about Pentecost today. And, and so after that was the feast, that uh, this 49-day feast, that would happen. Can you imagine having a 49-day feast? Now, they only feasted two days, the first two days, because that was the first fruits time. But they, they would festival or have festivities for the next 49 days. During the festivities of Shavuot, uh, the men of Israel were required to come to the temple, and there they would bring their first fruits of all the wheat that they had harvested and sifted. And so the, the next 49 days of this feast they would continue because you can imagine there's no way in two days millions of guys could bring their wheat to the temple and offer it to God as an offering. 49 days worth. And so as well as they celebrated that, today you will find that most Jews, when they celebrate Shavuot, uh, they actually read the book of the Torah. They actually read the first five books from the first five books of Moses as well as from the book of Ruth. The first five books of Moses are the law and God's direction to them. They read from the book of Ruth for a little bit different reason. They read from the book of Ruth simply because of you find the kindness of Boaz and you find the generosity of Boaz and you find how that Ruth was, uh, she was a Moabite outside of, of Israel and not a part of Israel but was received into Israel, actually became part of who they were and would be eventually into the lineage of David even though she was a Gentile. And so that's primarily what you find today and as we know the jewish calendar is a little different than the gregorian calendar that we live under the 12 month and we operate under the 12 month gregorian calendar 365 days out of the year but the, the jewish calendars are a little different so that's why our easter is celebrated at a different time every year but their passover it's relative to their passover because their years and months and days are a little different than ours and so that's why you find so shavat is usually practiced usually observed between may the 15th and june the 14th within that given time and so following this feast of first fruits shavat itself would have this 49 day celebration you know, there's some things in Scripture that you find. The, old, the, the Hebrews tells us uh, there are things in Scripture in the Old Testament that are types and shadows of the New Testament. And the, the Shabbat, the, week, the seven weeks, uh, is not unlike any other thing. We, there's many things, but uh, part of it is that the type and shadow is that in, in Scripture it shows us there are seven dispensations of time. And in each dispensation of time, God deals with people. And at the end, there's a harvest. And so in the seven dispensations of time, there's a final seventh dispensation, like the seventh week, and then there's the ultimate har harvest because that is the time where they bring in uh, the first fruits. But there's something a lot more important than that because the first fruits uh, came right after, uh, we know, as the Passover. We understand that Jesus was crucified at Passover, and Jesus laid in the grave three days. 
So we know uh, the first day his body laid in the grave. The second and the third day, uh, we know his body laid in the grave. But as they, his body laid in the grave uh, on the second and third day, what we understand is that Shabbat has started. And Shabbat is, the, uh, again, the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus is the first fruits uh, of, of the dead that he is the first fruits, and then we will follow after that. There's many things you find when you look at these different uh, feasts that, uh, in Scripture. And so as the Jewish people celebrated year after year, they would recount the awesome things that would happen uh, at Mount Sinai and all the things. It's what made them a nation and a people. You know, it's kind of like every, it, it doesn't happen anymore, but when I was a kid, uh, when we celebrated the 4th of July, you always heard the story. Somebody always told the story about why we celebrate the 4th of July. Now we celebrate it because, you know, Rangers are playing that day, and we got tickets, and so we're going to see the Rangers player. We celebrate the 4th because, well, we have a lot of fireworks. We bought $500 worth of fireworks, and we're going to shoot them off. Or we celebrate the 4th of July because, well, it's a holiday. We get off during the week. Or if it's on the weekend, we get a three-day weekend. But you hardly ever hear the reason we celebrate, and you know what that causes? It causes us to be deleted as a people. When we, start, when, we, when we stop talking about our independence, when we stop talking about those that went before us, you know, there's just a few left from World War II. There's just, from that generation, there's just a few left that will tell the stories. And the stories now that are being told, if you've watched the documentaries, are being told a little differently. Like, like you know, we, we shouldn't have done that. We should have. I, I know this is probably going to upset some of you. We should have never dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's the story that's being told today. But you know what? It saved hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lives. But the story's not told that way anymore. You know, the, we knew that they were coming at Pearl Harbor. We just waited for them to come and bomb us, and then we, we attacked them. That's the story that's being told today. And so whether we did or not, the, the point I'm making is this. The Jewish culture celebrates who they are. And so at Passover, they talked about Passover. If you're not familiar with Passover, it's, it's that period of time when the, the Jews were in captivity to, Israel, or, uh, to uh, the Egyptians, and God sent Moses and said, let my people go. And so we know that there were you know, ten plagues, and the final plague was going to be a plague of the, uh, the angel of death coming over, and any of the firstborn uh, of, uh, that didn't have the blood over the doorpost of a lamb, uh, you know, they were going to die. And so this is the Passover when the angel of death passed over those that put the blood on the doorpost. And so that story was told every year. And so after that story came Shavat, and that story was told about how that Moses received the law and now how that, you know, th- that Ruth uh, w- was engaged into, into the, and, and implanted in, in, into the Jewish tradition. And so they, they, they just continue to celebrate it and celebrate it and celebrate it. And Shavat is still a big re- Big uh, deal for them. They they still celebrate. I was looking online, and and they 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 gave the next uh, four or five online when the next Shavat's going to be. In case you didn't make this one and you couldn't make this one, you can make the next one. And they told you who the speakers were going to be. And one of the things they did at Shavat, and it, which was critical to them, is during this forty nine period there was no work. Nobody works in the forty nine day period. It's all festive. Can you imagine if the Fourth of July was forty nine days long? Yeah, woo-wee, yeah. But for 49 days, the, what they did at Shavat is that they would gather as families, 
and they would read from the first five books of Moses and from the book of Ruth. And then they would gather in the temple at times as they brought their sacrifice of the first fruits of the wheat. Then they would read at the temple, and they were constantly reading. Why were they doing that? So that their children and their children's children would never forget what this is about. <clears throat> What's Christmas about? Let me back up. In America and the world, what's Christmas about? Presents and trees and decorations and all this stuff, the lights and all this stuff that, by the way, didn't come from the real Christmas. They came from pagan. Yeah, I'm going to mess up. Yeah, some of y'all got little kids now. You're mad at me. Came from a lot of pagan practicing rituals that had nothing to do with Christianity. And so what happens is over time, you know, Christmas wasn't always that way in America. Yeah. yeah, you know, back in the 1700s, there were no Christmas tree lights. There was Christmas tree candles. They didn't have lights. Things changed over time. And when things change over time and we cease to talk about the reality of things, what happens? The reality of things changes over time. And so, this, so, so they were very, you, you've got to admire that about the people, the, the Jewish people. They're not going to let their heritage go. They're not going to let their culture go. They're not going to let somebody take their culture from them, destroy their culture, and when somebody comes after their culture, they go after them. You have to admire that because they're, they're, they understand who they are and where they came from. Now, at the end of the 49 days, in the Jewish tradition, there was nothing. Y'all were waiting for me to... At the end of the 49 days, Shabbat was over. It was the seven weeks, and it was done. <clears throat> during that 49 days of them reading, during that 49 days of offering, the Scripture says, if you read a little further, that during this time, there, there would be like loud noises from heaven, thunderings, and, and, and it was God's celebration with the Jews that they recognized who he was, and at this time of the feast of first, first, first fruits of the wheat harvest, that they gave him honor, and, and so, I mean, lightnings and thunders, I mean, all kinds of things happened. And so, at the end, it was over, and it was said and done. So, so that brings us today, Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. Today, we celebrate what we call Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost comes from the Greek, Penta 50, and so... Pentecost actually was the 50th day. It was the end of the Shabbat. It was the, it was the 50th day after the end of Passover. Very important we understand that, that we know that, because we know that Jesus died at Passover. And we understand the correlation of Shabbat and what happens at Pentecost. So the celebrate of the first fruits was an important part in time in history, not just with Shabbat but with the rising of Jesus from the grave. When he came out of the grave, it was a new celebration of the first fruits of the dead. And so, as Jesus was resurrected again in 1 Corinthians 15, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So we're part of those fruits. Jesus Christ is the first fruits. So it's not by chance that they celebrated Passover and then celebrated their first fruits and their harvest of the wheat 
that it's not by chance that on the 50th day afterwards, what we saw on the day of Pentecost, you see, a lot of times we look in the Scripture and we think, okay, the Jews now were skipping over to Pentecost. No, the Jews were ending their feast. You understand something here now. Let me, let me. You had millions of Jews in Jerusalem at this time celebrating the pilgrimage of Shavuot. Millions. Millions. And so they were there. They were, you know, they were, they were primed for uh, celebration, if you will. They were primed to receive, if you will. And so it's not by chance that this miracle that happened at Pentecost happened like it did. It was a time when Jerusalem was getting full. You know, there were people from all nations that were Jews that were here in Jerusalem. And they were celebrating just like we read about in Exodus 34. The first followers of Jesus, though, must have had some kind of an expectation. Because when Jesus left, he left them a promise. And in that promise, what he said was, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He gave them a promise. But there was a directive in the promise. Now, you go to the upper room, go back to Jerusalem. You've been celebrating. You know, hey, go back, celebrate, because it's not going to be long from now in this celebration. Because understand that during the time that Jesus is here to, and he's about to be resurrected or about to be uh, uh, ascended back into heaven, they had been in all the celebration. So I just want you to get the picture here. They were in a time of celebration. They were in a time of first fruits. So, again, Acts 1 and 8 says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Man, what, what an important day Pentecost turned out to be. The fifth, it's just called, listen, I know some of us that are, have Pentecostal background. Pentecost, it's called Pentecost for a reason. It's the 50th day at the, after the end of Passover. So that's why it's called Pentecost. It's not called Pentecost because we were Pentecostal. Or that we were United Pentecostal or we were American Pentecostal. It's not called that for that reason. And it's not called Pentecost because of actually what happened. It's simply 50 days after Passover ended. But Pentecost became a very important day in our lives, didn't it? It became a very important day in our lives. And that's, that's, that's today's, what we're celebrating today, the, the, the day of Pentecost. Uh, understand that Shabbat was now going to take a whole new meaning to the Jew that followed Jesus Christ. Again, not only was he the first fruits of the dead and to life at the Passover, but Pentecost is going to signify that any believer in Jesus Christ was going to have the, avail- the availability to be part of a big harvest. A big harvest. Acts 1 and 15 tells us this. If you would turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Make this real simple. Well, Acts chapter 1. Some people call this Pentecostal candy sticks. You know what's a candy stick? It's the thing you hear all your life when you're Pentecostal. But understanding it and understanding where, where it came from is it has a, tre- a tremendous impact on you. Uh, it's, Acts 1 and 15 says that, that they, there was about 120 people gathered in an upper room. They were following the instructions of Jesus Christ, and they were all in one accord. They were praying. They were waiting for this promise that Jesus said. So Shavuot was the culmination of the seven weeks between Passover and the giving of the law at Sinai, and now the seven weeks of Passover, the promise of God that he would write his laws on their hearts, and uh, uh, not, not on the laws of tablets of stone, but now in the hearts. So there's this transformation that's about to take place, that in this time when they read the law, and they understand the law, and they understand where it came from, that it was about to change. 
You know, Jesus said he came not to forsake the law, but to fulfill it. He came not to forsake it, but fulfill it. Now, that doesn't mean we follow the, follow the law of Moses. What he's saying is this. Under the law of Moses, there was a law, and there was an obedience you had to make to that law. If not, then there was a sacrifice of obedience that you had to make for the sins of your... The problem with the old law was that not only could you not keep the law, all it did was show man his sin. That's all the law did was show Israel their sin. Couldn't do anything about it. And so because they were sinners, they then had to offer an animal sacrifice for the sin. Now, the problem with that was there was no pure or ultimate sacrifice, no, no sacrifice that would, would remit the sins of people. And so their sacrifices only pushed forward their sins. Their sins were never remitted. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill that or complete it, finish it. I've come to be the ultimate sacrifice so that when you, you no longer have to go to that law because my sacrifice not only takes care of that law, but now all those sins that have been pushed forward, you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's a done deal. And from here on out, it's a done deal. So this Pentecost was a huge thing that happened in the history of the church. Shavat marked the beginning of the physical freedom of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. It marked the beginning of the freedom of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Pentecost is going to mark the beginning of the spiritual freedom of the people of God in the New Testament. Shavuot was also known as Atzeret, and it means completion. Completion. Shavuot meant completion, and yet there was no completion in the original. That's because Pentecost had to happen. That 50th day had to happen. After all that was finished and completed in Shavuot, Pentecost had to happen because it was the completion of Shavuot. So what exactly happened on that day, the day of Pentecost? Here's the fun part. I'm going to read it, and you're going to follow me. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So you understand what that means now, right? When that 50th day finally got here, Shavuot was over. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So just like in Shavuot when they hear, heard the wind, the thunderings, the wind they heard from God. On Pentecost, the new Shavuot, if you will, they heard the same things. They heard God's celebration with his people. That's the sound of the rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. The word tongues there is, is languages languages, uh, like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the promise Jesus just gave in Acts chapter 1. And began to speak with other languages, tongues, as the Spirit gave them the utterance, the ability to speak these languages. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Why in the world at Pentecost were all of these devout Jews there? Uh, you, you ever wonder why they were all there? You know, a lot of people say, well, they had been celebrating Passover no, they had been celebrating Shavuot. That's what they had been celebrating. So they were still here. They were getting ready to go home. So now when this was noised abroad, what does that mean? When the gossipers started talking, when they, when, hey, do you, when they, man, when it, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Notice it doesn't say tongue here. It says language. So you understand that the, if you look up tongues, that's what you see. It means language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? You know why they were amazed and marveled? Because most of the Galileans were dumb fishermen that couldn't read or write. They couldn't write their own name. They couldn't. 
You know, they, they knew how to speak their language, and that was about it. So that's what amazed all these Jews from all around the world. How can these guys, look what they say, verse 8, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? There, there's Parthenians, there's Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya, about Serene and strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So do you, you see what's happening? This Pentecost was the day as Shabbat ended. This sound happened, and then this thing happened. And the sound was alarming, and the thing became more alarming. And when they ran up to the thing, they were from all different parts of the world, and they said, hey, whoa, whoa, what in the world? How are these people speaking all these languages when they're Galileans? Makes no sense. And so what does this mean was the question. Verse 12. What does this mean? Well, there's always these few. Verse 13. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Yeah. They were all drunk up. They were all. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all of them that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For they're not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. Since their day started at 6 o'clock, it was 9 o'clock in the morning. So it's the third hour of the day. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They hadn't had time to do that. They hadn't had time to get drunk yet, so they're not drunk. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And without me going through the whole thing, you understand the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verse 28, prophesied this very event hundreds of years before this ever happened. And Peter is standing up and saying, you all remember in Sunday school when you went to Jew Sunday school? Do you remember what the Jewish teachers taught you about Joel chapter 12? This is that day. It's happening right now. It's right in front of your very eyes. Prophecy being fulfilled. Then he begins to speak in verse 25 about David. And David foreseeing the same thing with Jesus Christ. He said in verse 29, Men and brethren, let me speak freely speak unto you about David. He said, hey, can I just spill it out for you? Let me talk and you listen. That's what he's saying. And so he goes through the fact that David was a prophet and prophesied the things concerning Pentecost. Verse 37 is where it all happens. We celebrate, today, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday for this particular reason. Because this was the birth of the New Testament church. The body of spirit-filled believers, the ecclesia, the birth of the New Testament church. Now, when they heard this, what did they hear? The, what Peter had just told them about Joel and David and the story of, when, you know, when you get home, read this, because you can go right back to the Old Testament and read it right in the Old Testament. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Now, what does that mean? That means something got them, stuck them. You ever, you ever, somebody ever told you something, you're like, oh, man, you didn't do that, but you, in your heart, you're like, man, that got me. That, they're right, and I'm wrong, you know. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the men, men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay. So there was no instructions here prior to what the question was that something even had to be done, right? You understand that they asked the question because it wasn't that somebody told them what they needed to do in the beginning. It's because when they heard the truth, their hearts were changed. Their hearts were pricked. Their hearts were, and so they said, well, what do we do? There's something needs to happen here. Peter, all the rest of the hundred, what, what needs to happen here? Then Peter said unto them, repent. 
See, they had heard this before. There, there was a lot of John the Baptist followers there. And John the Baptist preached repentance and baptism, the baptism of repentance, to believe on the one that's to come after him, the Messiah. And so many people that were there were baptized by John the Baptist. And so they understood repent, turn away from it, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission. You remember the Old Testament law could not remit. But now baptism in Jesus' name would remit. And the Jew understood that. They had been waiting for centuries for a Messiah that would remit and wash away their sins. But all they knew is that every year, every year, row forward, every year, and now Peter is telling them, this is what, listen, I'm glad you asked the question. Y'all understand sometimes that's when I make statements, I say, I'm glad you asked. That, that's what, Peter said, I'm glad you asked. Here's what you do. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So when you read here, and I'll ask you to go home and read it. When you read here, Peter never talks to them about exactly what the Holy Ghost is here. He goes back to Old Testament Scripture because that's all they had. They didn't have New Testament Word yet. There was no Two Testament Scripture written down. He went back to Old Testament Scripture and talked about Spirit and the prophecy of Spirit. He says in verse 39, For the promise is unto you. You understand the promise to the Jew. It doesn't mean the same thing to you and I. We think a promise, man, we blow it off a lot of times. How many of you have researched the, the promises of God that I asked you to research three years ago? You researched all the promises. See, the promises don't mean a lot to us, but a promise meant everything to the Jew because it was a promise they were going to get it. That hasn't changed, by the way. That hasn't changed in their culture. If there's a promise, I'm going to get it. It's mine. That's how they live. Man, what if we ever got a hold of that? If God promised us, then we get it. Man, whatever God promised us, that's another whole. And so what we find is he said, he, he said listen, the promise is unto you. As a matter of fact, are your kids here today? You're, the promise is for your kids. As a matter of fact, the promise is everybody that's far away. The people that you left in your hometown and your home country, the promise is for them. And by the way, the promise is for anybody that's called of God. And, and, and it's not written down here yet, but the Scripture says this, that no man cometh to God expect the, except the Spirit draw him. And it says that all men are called to repentance by God. Every single individual in the world that's ever existed, exists now, or ever will exist, is going to be called by the Holy Ghost so that they understand they, they have sin in their life. They're going to be called by the Spirit of God. And so the, it, it continue, and, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word. You know, not everybody that heard the sound, that saw the craziness, that thought they were drunk, not everybody received the word that day. But there were those that did. And they that heard it, what happened? They were, they were, oh, they were happy to be baptized because they were Jewish and they understood no longer are my sins held over my head. But when I'm baptized in the name of Jesus, when that, when that blood is applied to my life, my sins are washed away. Man, that, yeah, the water doesn't do anything, does it? The Scripture tells us that we're buried in baptism. We're raised to walk in newness of life. When we're baptized in the name of Jesus, what happens is we're buried. Our old man is dead. When we come up, there's a new man. 
That's one of the purposes. So our sins are now remitted, washed away. Now, this is Pentecost 101 to most of you. Pentecost 101. This is, yeah, no, I'm just, notice I didn't say Christian 101. I said Pentecost 101. So this marked the beginning. They were baptized. There were added unto them that day 3,000 people. 3,000 people. So if, if their day goes from, is 12 hours, and who's got a calculator? Anybody? Steve? In 12 hours, how, how, how many people would you have to baptize every hour to baptize 3,000? 3,000 divided by 12. He's working. I can see him. Yeah. How many? 250 people every hour. So there's 250 people every hour, and there's 60 minutes an hour, so every minute they had to baptize. You get the picture? Well, hey, it doesn't stop there. The Bible says the next day they added 5,000. Those people just thought they were tired from baptizing that day. The next day, it really got busy. It really got busy. And after that, what happened is, the Bible says in verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So it went to adding. And then when you read a little further down, the church multiplied. So it went from addition. 10 plus 10 is, thank you, 10 times 10 is, so you understand the difference between the day of Pentecost and the multiplication, what happened? Literally thousands of people, the birth of the church. Here's the thing that disturbs most people about this whole thing. You mind if I read it to you? When the people received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell on them and they spoke with other tongues. And that disturbs most people. In Christianity today. It does. Why is that? It shouldn't. In Acts chapter 10, years later, as, as Paul, uh, Peter's at Cornelius' house, he's telling them the same story. He's telling them about Jesus and who he was, how he was crucified. And while he was telling them the same story, the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on all that was in Cornelius' house. His family, the servants, all of them. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them. How did they know that? For they heard them. See, we got, we're minus some Pentecostals here. Or you like me, you were a Baptocostal, and now you're Methocostal or a Catholicostal. Or, no, we're the 50th, we're the 50th day Costals. They heard them speaking, and he commanded them to be baptized. So he goes back to Jerusalem. Peter was pretty smart to be a fisherman. He knew when he left the church and went down to Cornelius, who was a Gentile, one of us, he knew that when he went down there and someone went down, because he knew God told him to go there, if God tells you to go do something, something's going to go down. Something's about to happen. So what did he do? He picked up some of his brothers, his Jewish brothers, and said, hey, why don't y'all come with me? Let's take a trip, a road trip down to Galveston. Let's go make a little trip down the road. He was smart. 
He had witnesses. So he gets back in Acts chapter 11, and guess who calls him on the carpet? The church. You would think the church would be excited, but they said, dude, what are you doing down there? You know those are dogs, right? You know they're, you know they're not part of us. And Peter said, well, you know, that, that thing that happened to us happened to them, and they received the Holy Ghost just like we did in the beginning. So how did they receive the Holy Ghost in the beginning? Why is that so disturbing to the Christian world? It's not understanding Shabbat and Pentecost. If, they under, if, if you research, and there's a lot more in this that I, just for time's sake I couldn't. If you research the Shabbat and you find out that how Pentecost started, it, it, it is almost alarming. You're like, thank God, because you know what? None of us would have a shot or a chance. Yeah, there were those who mocked and said these are drunk, but you know what? I have a feeling the 3,000 said, you know what? I think these dudes are right. And 5,000 the next day said, yeah, I know these dudes are right. And then the adding in the multitude, they said, yeah, we all know this is happening. They weren't scared of it. We shouldn't be scared that God would do something supernatural. He did the supernatural during the Shavuot. What would be any different on the 50th day called Pentecost? That God wouldn't do something supernatural because the supernatural of Shavuot was to show them that he was celebrating with them their physical deliverance from Egypt. The physical thing that happened at Pentecost was to show us. Do you know why you speak with tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost? It's to show you the spiritual deliverance that he's given you. Not the physical, the, the spiritual deliverance he's given you to the New Testament church and how that our sins are pushed away and washed away. That's what the, that Pentecost is about. You know, how many times have, have you ever celebrated the Feast of Pentecost? Have you? <laughs> Trick question, huh, Bishop? <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. This was more of a lesson than preaching, but it's something that I, I want you to understand. I've had people tell me, I don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name to be saved. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You ever looked up the word saved? Because I know Austin has. We had a discussion this week. Have you ever looked up the word save or saved that Jesus said and that was used by the Apostle Paul and that was used by Peter and all those? You know what? Because in the in the regular Christian world today, the word saved means what we call born again in the apostolic church. Because Jesus didn't say that saved and born again were the same thing. When Jesus told a person, come unto me, do all the things, and you'll be saved, that word, that means delivered. Means, what else does it mean, Austin? Was the main one. It's funny how the, the woman with the issue of blood, when she came to him, she was delivered. The same word is saved. Because saved doesn't mean you're born again. Saved means God's delivering you from something. Just as if you had cancer and God healed you of cancer, He saved you from cancer. And 
so intertwined in our Christian world today is saved and born again that it has become the same thing, and it's not. Jesus told Nicodemus, you know, you got to be saved again. He didn't say that, did he? He said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, I, I can't be born again. I can't, I'm a big man. I can't go back in my mother's womb. That don't work. And he said, look, dude, that's physical. I'm talking to you spiritual. you got to be born of water and of the Spirit. Later on, we know in chapter 7 of the same book, John, he said that the Spirit is the thing that will come into you after I'm gone. Same. And so we know all we have to do is, uh, you know the best way to find, where, where you, to find a deer if you're looking in the woods? You know the best way to find them? Or a rabbit? Or a squirrel? How about if you follow their tracks? I killed my best deer a couple of years ago because I followed his tracks and he showed up. And I knew he was coming to this my particular stand at this particular place. I just watched his tracks. Uh-huh. And I got him. You understand that all you got to do is follow the tracks in Scripture. Just follow the tracks. Follow what Jesus said. Follow what the apostles said. Fo just follow it. And you find this is the way it happens. Why? Why are we scared of that? I'm not scared of it, Pastor. Well, I'm going to hit the shotgun on you here, okay? When's the last time you spoke in tongues? Tongues doesn't save you. It's an evidence. It's an evidence. When's the last time that that's happened? Let me go a little deeper. Have you ever? Have you ever spoken in tongues? No, I, I heard it, but I didn't speak it because I've had people. I've had some people tell me before that that part of part of what they'd been taught was that that they didn't really speak anything at Pentecost. They were just speaking in their Galilean language, but the person from Arabia was hearing it in the Arabian language. But it's not what it says. What it says is they heard them speak in their own language. Oh, you got to just break it down to understand that. So, why is Pastor Don talking about this day? It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. God's intent in this last day is to pour out His Spirit like you, you have never experienced. His intent in this last day is to pour out of His Spirit like you've never believed. We're not going to duplicate or replicate Pentecost at all. That's a little thing. Pentecost was a little thing compared to what God's doing today. If you're watching and listening, I'm saying this every week if you've noticed, because it's become very powerful in my life. If you're watching and listening what's going on in the Christian world today, not in the Pentecostal world, not in the apostolic world. Not, I know it hurts, it hurts our feelings. I'm sorry. I'll come pat you. It's, it's, not, it's in the world where people are just, it doesn't matter what they call themselves. They're finding out this thing called Pentecost, that 50th day after Shavuot, is real. It's real. And where they come to God, pe people are uh, by the groves on the sands of California. Of all places, you know, God has a sense of humor. Of all places to start this major, is he starting it in California? You know, California's not so, they're a little out there and they're a little, you know, you think I'm out there, go to California. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm a rube. They're, they're out there. Why is he doing that? He's showing us, church, get ready. It's sweeping across the nation. It's no longer, we don't celebrate the day of Pentecost. You know why? 
every day is the day of Pentecost. Every day is the 50th day after Shabbat for us. Every day is that day where God wants to pour out His Spirit on you, your children, those that are far off, even as many as He calls, and the Bible says He calls us all. He wants to pour out of His Spirit. Well, Pastor, you know, I've heard this all my life, but I quite hear it that way, or I've never heard this in my life, and I, this is kind of strange and weird. Y'all should have seen me the first time I went. I mean, I was, I was ready to fly out of there. This, this was calm today compared to the first time I went to a church where this happens. But I didn't fly out of there. I came back the next week. And I came back the next week. You know why? God was calling me. You understand if God was calling me, and a lot of y'all don't know me, well, not a lot of you, but some of you, but some of you know some of the stuff I was doing, and God was calling me. Why was he calling me? Because, uh, Terry, I wasn't really fit for heaven, the kingdom. I wasn't the right person. I wasn't doing the right things. I was living a very rambunctious life, very sinful life. I, why would God be calling me? Because he calls us all. doesn't matter what your life is. He calls us all. And all he wants to do when he calls you is feel you. All he wants to do is feel you. Isn't that a great God? He's not taking away anything from you today. He's filling you. He's filling you. Lord Jesus, God, in this simple way, Lord, we just we, we, we talk to the things of old and we talk to the things of new. We talk to the feasts and the festivals. We know that your word tells us that all the feasts and festivals, all the law of Moses, all the law that pertains to the Old Testament was finished and completed on the cross that day. That nothing else, we don't have to celebrate a feast. We don't have to go to a Passover. There's no Shavat. What we celebrate today is that 50th day, Lord, because you made it possible for us. You made it possible for us to be filled with the Spirit of God Christ in us, the hope of glory, the power of God. And when you said we would receive power after the Holy Ghost came upon us, Lord, that experience is for us today. Many of us that are here today have been in the church 30 and 40 years. And we may have experienced that power in the beginning. Lord, is it a new time for power in our church? experience and be reinvigorated by the Holy Ghost God let us not become religious satisfied fearful of the power that God and the, the mighty and great works that God wants to do among us but let us be swept up in this move across this world before you come that we would be the church the spirit filled ones where God lives and works in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to do something here. If, you, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the, just right here in front of this altar, in front of this pulpit, we'll, we'll, we'll leave a little space for you. If you want to come, we'll pray with you. Nobody has to pray with you for you to receive the Holy Ghost. One of my best friends, was he was actually a drug dealer doing drugs, and his dad brought him to, who was our pastor, Brother Green, brought him to his house and said, I can't do anything with this boy. You take him. And gave his son to Brother Green. Gave up his boy. He said, I can't do anything with him. He's a drug addict. He's selling drugs. And so Brother Green told, told, told Mark, he said, you just stay here at home and you pray and 
So Brother Green's at home or at the church a couple of days later, and he gets a phone call from his home. So you know he's expecting, man, this drug dealer's done gone off the wall on my wife. But what he gets is, Pastor Green, Pastor Green, I was praying, God help me, and God deliver me. And he said, I started speaking in this language, and I, I don't know what it is, and I'm scared. What do I do? Because he never, he's in a closet by himself praying. You, you don't have to come to the front. It can happen to you, right? Man, that's what happened to me. You know what? Left side, third row back, fourth person over. It happened to me. I remember the very spot where it happened. And so if you want to if you want to come and get a re-blessing of God, if you will, of the Holy Ghost, listen, we invite you to these altars. We just want to leave a space here that if anybody says, hey, I've never want that, but I, I had it, but I want it, leave that space. We'll be glad to pray with you, but we don't have to pray with you. While, while Don yet spake these words, I'm not putting myself in the Bible. What I'm telling you is while I'm speaking the words of Jesus Christ to you, the Holy Ghost will fall into your life. So these, these altars are open. If you, you'd like a, just a replenishing or a, 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 just a reignition, if you will, the Holy Ghost fills cloven tongues like as a fire. You know what fire does? It ignites. I'm just going to invite you to come to this altar. If you want to pray in your seat right now, God, just just let me feel the power of your spirit once over. Let me let me be reignited in you. Do that right at, right where you're sitting. That's perfectly fine. The altar place is the place where we come to you, God. It's the place where we every place in Scripture. The altar was the place where people came to God and gave something to Him. When you come to this altar, you're giving something to God. So you know what? When you give something to God, here's the thing about God. There's an expectation. You're not going to outgive Him. You're not going to outgive Him. When you give something to Him, re-give yourself back to Him. Many of us have lived for Him 30, 40, 50 years. Give yourself back to Him again. In Jesus' name. Be refilled. Be, be replenished. Be overfilled with the power of His Spirit right now. There's a sweep going over our nation. There's a move of God going over our nation right now. Let's be a part of it. Let's be a part of it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.